0: This episode of the TSN MMA Show contains coarse language. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the interview edition of the TSN MMA Show. I'm your host, Aaron Bronstetter, and plenty of interviews to get to, as always, this week as we look forward to the last UFC event of 2020. Finally get this incredible year behind us, and by incredible, I mean dumpster fire. But anyhow, let's take a look at who we have On the docket for this week, we'll start with the headliners of this weekend's card at UFC Fight Night. We've got Steven Wonderboy Thompson. We've got Jeff Neal. This should be a fantastic fight to wrap up the year and see who can get a little bit of ground in the welterweight division. Is Jeff Neal the next up-and-coming contender? Or does Steven Thompson still have something left in the tank? Is he still going to be able to potentially get that last elusive title shot and potentially become a champion in a division where a lot of people thought that he would at some point in time? We'll talk to both of these men, and we'll also speak with the wonderful and fantastic Rob Font, who is returning off of a big-time injury. He had his knee replaced essentially, and he takes on Marlon Moraes in a bantamweight fight. One of two Marlins in the bantamweight division on the same card as Marlon Chito Vera will take on Jose Aldo in the co-main event. Should be a, a very exciting card to wrap up the year. A lot of really, really strong bouts. And uh, finally, we'll also air an interview with Dana White, the UFC president who we spoke to last week. Uh, I know some of this might be a little bit dated, as since we have spoken, UFC 256 is taking place, and you might have already heard this interview, but if you haven't heard this interview, we're going to throw it in as a bonus at the end, just uh, so that you can check it out and listen to what the boss has to say about everything that's transpired in this year, what he is looking ahead to next year, and all of that. So we'll get to our first interview with Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. He joins us now on the TSN MMA show interview edition. He headlines the final UFC card of the year, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson taking on Jeff Neal. Is it exciting to you to finish the year? Is this something that uh, you've always wanted to do, or is it just a coincidence? This is kind of a coincidence, but glad
1: to be back out there and do it again, man. It's been a year since I fought. So, super excited to step back out there and put in work and uh, put on a show for the fans, man.
0: You know, I spoke to your opponent earlier today, and I said one of the cool things about fighting last is that there's four weeks off until the next event. So the the lasting memory of UFC fans is going to be winning that fight for whoever ends up ending uh, becoming the victor. That's right, man. So I know I know I'm facing off against
1: a tough opponent, Jeff Neal, who's uh, you know is on a fi- uh, you know five and zero in the UFC, seven fight winning streak, I believe. But he's tough, man, and um, I know he's preparing himself, getting ready, striking, wrestling, clinch work. But wherever the fight goes, I'm going to be ready for it.
0: Now, after your last fight, I saw you backstage. I was interviewing you. And right before the interview, you looked at your dad and said, Dad, I think I broke my hand. It turned out you did. <laughs> so uh, what, are you happy to get one in this year? I, did you, was it touch and go for a little bit? I know you re-injured uh, yourself when you were uh, training with your with your brother-in-law, Chris Weidman. Yeah,
1: hands are feeling good, man. Ended up breaking both my hands during the Vicente Luque fight. But just, you know, I'm at 100% right now. Hands are feeling great. But I'm just glad to be able to get a fight in before this year was up. So uh, it's been a year. This is the longest layoff I've had in a, in a while. So just itching at the business step, I got there and do it again.
0: A hand injury must not be a lot of fun for somebody like yourself who enjoys striking so much. What was it like? Uh, I guess it probably helped you sharpen your other weapons, though. Is that, is that correct when you were uh, training? Oh, yeah. I mean, when you're injured,
1: there's always something that you can do. So definitely worked on my kicking ability, my uh, wrestling, a little bit of wrestling. Uh, couldn't do it a whole lot with grabbing and stuff, but you know went through a lot of physical therapy when it came to my hands. But you know you can always get better at something, and and uh, my kicking, my movement definitely got a whole lot better.
0: You know when Usman became the champion, I, I said that the hardest matchup for him would be you. I think that you pose a lot of unique threats, and we know in the sport it's not always about ranking, it's not always about it's about matchups, and I think that as a matchup you would pose a lot of problems for him. Is that something that you also felt when you saw that he became champion? Is that why you're so focused? on getting that title fight because of that particular puzzle that he would have to solve in you?
1: You know what? I love Usman. He's a great champion, to be honest with you, and he's, ve- and he's very good. You saw his striking abilities, boxing against uh, Colby Covington. Obviously, we all know he's a phenomenal wrestler. But yeah, I think I do pose probably the hardest matchup for him just with the style and everything. Um, so, you know, it, it, it does kind of give me fuel to to, you know, work my way back up for another title shot. And with a good win over Jeff Neal, hopefully, you know, the UFC gives me some mind in their top five and
0: work my way back up. You've been in the title picture for like five, six years. Has that always been the end goal? Uh, would you be able to walk away from this game satisfied never becoming a champion?
1: I think so. You know, obviously being champion has always been my goal, but to be able to fight the best guys in the world is, is why I do it. You know, to be able to prove yourself that, hey, I fought the best guys in the world and won. And, and, and you know, it's like, it's like something you see out of a movie. You know, a very small percentage of the people in the world can say they've done that. So, I, yeah, I could definitely be happy, uh, walk away with a smile on my face. But even better to walk away with that championship belt, for
0: sure. Now, I heard you say in another interview that uh, after you got knocked out by Anthony Pattinson, you'd never really been knocked out before. You said, ah, it's not so bad. <laughs> Does that allow you to throw a little bit more caution to the wind in your fights? Be, be a little bit less conservative because now you know what it's like to lose in that fashion?
1: Well, you know, you never want to lose in that fashion because it never looks good. And it takes a long time to heal up. But it's always been a fear of mine because I've never been knocked out. Now that I know what it's like, it's like, you know, it's not that bad, to be honest with you. Now I can go out there and just do what I do best, and that's fight, without having that extra pressure. Um, you know, obviously you don't want to lose it that way. But if it does happen, you know, I'll be back better than ever next time. Get my time healed up. Give my, you know, my body a chance, my brain a chance to heal up and get back out there and do it again. Because, you know, you never really want to take that damage, right? And I haven't taken a whole lot of damage. First time I've ever been knocked out. But you've seen guys who've been dropped, who've been knocked out a lot, of, and, um, what it, and see what it does to them mentally. And, and that's what I don't want. So obviously, um, you know, to prevent that out there is obviously uh, uh, the, the number one thing. But, um, you know, if, it, if it's not that bad knowing that, I can just go out there and do my thing. So there's a, a bit of comfort in that. Oh, yeah, 100%. There is a little bit of comfort knowing that, hey, I've been, I've been in that situation before. Um, I know what it feels like. Now I can just go out there and fight.
0: I heard you and your opponent in separate interviews both say you wanted this fight to be five rounds. This was before it was upgraded to the main event. Why do you think this benefits you as a five-round fighter? Jeff explained to me earlier why he thinks it benefits him. I'd love to hear your side. Well, obviously, it's been a while since
1: Jeff Neal's fought five, five in rounds. But I know he's an he's a intelligent guy, so I know he's going to be ready. He's going to come in shape. And that's how I like uh, that's how I want it. I want to know, you know, mentally, that I'm going to be facing the best Jeff Neal ever. But, um, you know, for me to be able to go out there with my movement, um, and uh, you know, my style, it can be fairly frustrating, you know, to opponents. And sometimes it takes a little bit uh, longer than than most people to to draw out your opponent's weaknesses, because Jeff Neal is very, very intelligent. He's very, very good. Um, at good, at staying in a good position the whole time, so it may take a little longer for for it to do for for me to figure that out on how to pull draw him out of his his comfort zone, um, so yeah, man, and and I've, and I I would rather do five fives and three fives to be honest with you, uh, it, anyway, and i have this will be my seventh uh headlining fight, yeah, seventh, seventh, I think fight that I've you know I've gone five five in a round. so, um, you know I feel comfortable with it.
0: Now. Nope. You're in quarantine right now for the next little bit. I've got a little bit of homework for you. So I do a podcast, and my co host name is Bazooka Joe Valtellini. Do you know who he is? Bazooka Joe? Yeah, I know Bazooka Joe. So he recorded a video on his YouTube channel called How to Beat Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. He beat Raymond Daniels, and he thinks that there's a blueprint for how to beat you. I would love for you to watch this video and, and, and try to find a, a flaw in his argument or maybe use it as 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 fuel to uh, take what your opponent's game plan might be and turn it on them. Do you think you'd be able to do that? I think so. I think so. I can do my best. I mean, I like breaking fighters down and things like
1: that, so I think it's fun. Were you aware of this video at all? Um, I think somebody had tagged me in it. I didn't actually watch all the way through it because, you know, you can go out there and you can face somebody like myself or Michael Page Venom or anybody, Raymond Daniels, and... Um, Think that you got a game plan for it. Obviously, he's a Muay Thai stylist and he used his, his leg kicks, obviously, to great effect against Raymond Daniels, but it's a different style. Once you actually go out there and feel the style, it's completely different. There's a lot of guys that have prepared for me and brought in karate fighters to prepare prepare for me, but once you step out there, it's definitely totally different. uh It's a different feel.
0: Why do you think there have been so few uh, karate style fighters that have? Uh, made it to the, the highest level, like yourself. I know Raymond Daniels has, has dipped his toes in the water recently. Uh, you look at Justin Scoggins. Like there, There's only a handful of really high-level karate uh, stylists that have come into mixed martial arts. Why do you think that is? I think when guys are coming into the, the fight game, they don't think karate. They think
1: MMA. They think boxing. They think Muay Thai. Because that's what's been talked about since the earlier UFC is that karate was, you know, there's a lot of guys out there who made karate look bad. Uh, you know, Karate fighters who shouldn't have been running schools and putting out crappy students. And, and it's made us all look bad. Uh, you got those big dojo, um, you know, karate stylists out there. And it's just not a, it's just not a style that people think of when it comes to the fight game. They're thinking of boxing, Muay Thai, um, you know, wrestling or jujitsu. But, and, and, and I believe it takes longer to develop the movement, the style, um, than it does the other styles. You know, the, the movement's fairly different it, and it's a feel thing and it takes a lot of time to develop that. Um, for me, you know, obviously a lifetime to, to, to be able to do things that I do. Same thing with Raymond Daniels and Michael Page Venom and those guys. Um, so, you know, you, you're starting to see a little bit more of that. Like Henry Cejudo, he's kind of developed before he retired, developed that karate style movement. Conor McGregor as well. He's got that karate movement of that sideways stance. So guys are kind of picking up on it and realizing, hey, this thing actually works. Do
0: you think it's a matter of people not using it as a base? Like you mentioned, MMA is now, it, it was, it's still kind of in its embryo- embryonic phases, right? When you were learning karate, MMA wasn't really a big thing. You know, you kind of grew with karate and, and were able to, to port your karate skills into becoming a, a great mixed martial artist. But do you think that a lot of people know of MMA already? and That's the sport that they aspire to. So they go into MMA gyms, for example, to learn a little bit of everything rather than becoming a specialist in something like karate.
1: Hundred percent. I think that's where it's going nowadays. Now, you got you're getting more actual MMA fighters than you are specialists. But I think the specialists. If you look at the at the guys who are champions now, like Izzy Adesanya, he's he's a striking specialist, right? You got Uzman who's a wrestling specialist. Um, you the best guys have uh, a, a certain base. They don't go in just learning everything. They have uh, you know years of wrestling or years of jujitsu. Or years of striking uh, as a base before they even get into MMA, um, like Anderson Silva, for instance. You know his base was was, was Muay Thai, uh, was striking. So you still have some specialists out there um, at champions, and I feel like uh, you know to have a good strong base before going into MMA will take you farther for sure.
0: Yeah, you know that's a fantastic point because you you do look at the top guys. Even Charles Oliveira this past weekend was known mostly as just a grappling guy, but his striking has really been elevated. Gilbert Burns is knocking guys out left and right, uh, and he was a world class jujitsu practitioner. So it's kind of cool to see those who have the really strong base excelling, and, and that would be, probably be a good game plan if you're looking to get into the sport. Is find something that you can specialize in and then learn everything else as you go. Yeah, hundred percent. Like for my karate, I had, you know I had the
1: karate special, the striking, the striking base, and put in the wrestling and everything around it to make me a better striker and to be able to 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 do what I do best to keep the fight standing if need be. I know a lot of guys don't see me do a whole lot of grappling but it's there. I do I do that religiously to be honest with you. The wrestling, the jiu-jitsu, I do it all. But I had to have that base first to be able to put those little things around it to be able to, you know, that which may be the fighter I am today.
0: So when when you look at uh, Jeff Neal, what, what do you think is the biggest threat that he poses to you?
1: You know, he's a big welterweight. He's a strong welterweight. Um, he's got good timing. Um, and he's he's very smart. He adapts when he's out there. You know, you've seen him recently start using a lot of his wrestling. So it's almost like going back to where, hey, you know, the Rory McDonald. I got to look. I gotta, where is he going to take this fight? Is he looking to get me to the cage to control me? Is he going to look to get me down, get me to the ground? Or does he want to keep the fight standing? And that's something that I have to adapt to while I'm out there, which is why I love this game, because I love to do that. I love to, you know, to analyze and try and break things down. And you gotta do that mid fight. That's what makes him dangerous. You know, yes, he's got power. Anybody out there can knock you out with just the littlest punch, but he's got that one hit or quit of power. Um, and he can take the fight anywhere.
0: Now, we know you are the NMF. You rarely say a bad word about anybody. But it seems like in all of these interviews, people keep asking you about Hamza Shemaya because they know that you're a little bit annoyed about the situation with him. And there was this unfounded rumor that you had turned out a fight with him. Uh, You said you have no idea where that came from. But with Shemaya, the thing that interests me is this is the first case where you take somebody who has uh, such a small sample size. He's got three fights, only one welterweight fight. You put him in there against the top three guy, totally sink or swim situation. Does it intrigue you to see how that fight's going to go in about a month's time? It does. It does really. It, it does. I mean, he's had three
1: fights and one fight at welterweight division and he's ranked number 15 right now. I know there's a lot of guys who are more deserving of the fight to fight Leon Edwards, but it is kind of interesting to see, you know, to kind of test his ability to see where he's at. Is he going to beat him? On paper, I got Edwards all day, but of course anything can happen during a fight. So yeah, I'm interested to kind of see how
0: that fight goes. So if he ends up beating Leon Edwards, let's say he beats Edwards in the first round. And are you going to be totally sold on this guy off that one fight because of how good we all know Leon is? Um, yeah. I mean, I, if he goes out there and, and, and he
1: beats him in the first round, that says something. And Leon Edwards is no joke. So, you know, that says something about Hamza. You know, he's, he, you know, is he the real deal or is he not? We're going to be finding out here in a, in a, in a few months time. So in a month time, um, but like i said on paper like i'm not sold yet on on umzat i've seen his wrestling he's knocked out his last opponent in the first round but it was like he his opponent was kind of not there he's kind of walked right into that right hand which normally you don't want to move that direction towards somebody's power hand so it's like you know we'll see how the fight goes if he goes out there and finishes in the first round then yeah and he's 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 the man but um you know, if he does go out there and win, Leon Edwards is going to make him really work for it. Because he's a, he's a talented fighter and has the experience as well. So as of right now, I got, my man, I got my man Leon Edwards winning this fight.
0: You know, it's funny. I asked Gerald Nearshot that very question. I go, why were you circling into his power hand? Like, was that part of the strategy? Was circling part of it? He says, I don't know. I was just in there. And that's what happened, right? <laughs> so these kind of things just happen sometimes when you're in there. You're, you're not. Uh, that's not exactly what you're trying to do. But your instincts just tell you to do something yeah and that's
1: sometimes that's how it goes you know like i don't remember i don't remember what happened when i got knocked out you know I, all i remember is the first round i don't remember any of the second round but i went back and watched it and it's like you know i was whooping the guy and anything can happen he jumped off the cage bounced off the cage and
0: superman punched me dang it so uh all i can do now is smile about it you know well today is the 10th anniversary of the uh, super, the uh, showtime kick i don't know if you're you're aware of that oh yeah oh yeah i've been seeing that everywhere the Showtime cage kick, man, that thing's bad. He's, he's got some of the best knockouts for sure. I love his style. And he'll be competing on the event this weekend against uh, Alex Marone. That should be a, a fun matchup. Uh, well, since it is the holiday season, I want to give you something. You know, when your fight with Vicente Luque was announced, uh, eight minutes later, I retweeted Beto Okamoto and said, this is for the NMF title. And I haven't gotten any real credit for creating the NMF title. But I want to say that (laughs) I haven't gone ahead and copyrighted it. So if you want to copyright NMF, it's all yours. I'm just giving that to you. That's my Christmas gift to you, Wonderboy. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) But you get all the credit, my friend. You get all the credit. Just saying. All right. Well, I appreciate it. As long as you carry the belt. I'll take it because a real NMF wouldn't try to take credit for it like I just did. You would never do that. So uh, I, I bestow upon you the NMF title, which has already been yours for some time. Who who would, who do you think is the number two ranked NMF guy in the world? If you were to take in the, in the, in oh, the sport, who's number two?
1: I would go for my man Max Holloway. Love my dude, Max. He's the nicest guy. Uh, he actually wanted to hold the cage door open for me when I walked out to Vicente Luque. So
0: he's definitely top of the list for sure. Well, as a Canadian, uh, Max is a fellow Canadian. Of course, we've, we've adopted him as our, our Canadian son. I, I like that answer. So uh, he, you're headlining this card. He's headlining the next UFC card in 2021. It's been a, an interesting year, of course, for all of us. And uh, we look forward to closing it out with some positivity. Steven Wonderboy Thompson taking on Jeff Neal this weekend. Uh, you can see it on TSN in Canada. Appreciate your time.
1: Thank you, brother. I really do appreciate it. Hopefully we can do it again sometime soon.
0: There's only one man in the UFC with hands of steel, and he's in the main event of this weekend's UFC Fight Night card. The last UFC card of the year, he is Jeff Neal. Before we ask about uh, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, I'm wondering about what happened to you earlier this year. It seems like you had a real medical emergency. At any point during that time, were you worried you might not ever be able to fight again?
2: Um, honestly, no. Uh, I wasn't I wasn't worried about it at all. Like I, uh, The doctors were telling me, they were like, you might not be able to fight again. And I'm laughing at it. I'm like, no, there's no way. Like, you, Yeah, I can't... I, pretty much I I try to keep a positive mindset the whole time you know uh I, I knew I knew I would be back in fighting and uh back in full swing
0: and that you are you got the uh, the main event coming up this weekend uh again between yourself and Stephen Wonderboy Thompson um during during that time though did they figure out what exactly happened what the situation was
2: No they they really didn't uh they don't they don't know what uh what caused the sepsis you know because pretty much I got sepsis and that led to uh congestive heart failure and uh Something else with my uh, liver or kidney, but uh, what what caused the sepsis is uh unknown. I, I'm thinking it might have been a uh, meningitis. You know what I mean? Because uh, the symptoms I had were like right in line with it, uh, meningitis. And um, like after like they did a whole bunch of blood work and they couldn't find nothing. And the only way you can uh detect meningitis is that they stick a long needle up your back, and I didn't want that. So uh, it could have been that, or it could have been a bad tooth. You know uh, i heard um if you have a bad tooth it can lead to it can lead to sepsis and uh right after i got out of hospital i got uh my tooth pulled in the back
0: oh so it might have been a a dead tooth wow that's interesting that that can happen i I know that uh, there's a canadian fighter that's actually going through a a very similar uh thing right now um where where they're trying to figure out exactly what the issue is they they finally figured it out it's about it took them a couple months to figure out what uh, okay. it was, Jamie Siraj, uh, West West Coast fighter in Canada, where he had a very similar medical emergency like yourself, and uh, it's a very scary when mm-hmm. when people don't know exactly what the cause of something like that is.
2: Yeah, it's really scary. Yeah, because I, I was going back and forth between hospitals for like a whole five day period, and they did not know what was wrong. They were telling me I was fine, but like I knew I wasn't fine. I, knew I there was something wrong, and they were like, "Oh, you're fine. Just uh, drink water, and you'll be okay." And uh, I was like, "No, nah, this is not no. Nah, so I need help."
0: <laughs> so, what kind of tests have been done on your heart uh, since that time, th- where where you're able to be cleared and you, you don't have any fears about uh, continuing to compete?
2: Just uh, I mean, they did like you know what I mean, like the cardiogram, I think that's what it's called. And uh, recently I got an EKG and uh, everything uh came back fine. So like I- I'm I'm confident and like I'm I'm still training like as hard as I used to, you know what I mean. And uh, I'm I'm not feeling anything weird with my heart, you know what I mean. I'm still out there running for an hour straight, you know, so like. I, I feel like I'm 100% ready for this fight.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I guess the positive thing that comes from this uh, is that it was caused by something. We're not exactly sure what, but it wasn't just like an organ failure or something along those lines. We've seen that der- derail uh, many athletic careers in the past.
2: Yeah, for sure. You know, and uh, I'm glad I got to the hospital when I did because like, you know I mean, had my heart really, really failed, you know, because I think it was stage one could just a heart failure. It could have been like another stage, you know, it could have, it could have been worse. So I'm just happy that, uh, everything that happened to me, I was able to recover from.
0: I, I heard an interview with you where you talked about this was back when this was the co-main event. How you wished this fight had been a five-round fight, and now it is a five-round fight. Uh, why exactly right. were you, were you hoping that that would end up being the case? And again, thankfully for you, it, it now is the case of the main event.
2: Because I'm, uh, I'm gonna have more time to figure things out. Because if Warner Boy is not a he's not a person that you can just take the fight to him. Like you know, what I mean, you, you got to take the fight to him but in a smart way, you know what I mean? Because he, he has very good movement. He has great counters. He's fast, he's accurate. So it's it's going to give me more time to really figure out how to get to him, you know what I mean? I I don't have to uh, rush, you know what I mean? He might, he might take the first two rounds, you know what I mean? But th- then uh, if he does take the first two rounds, that means the third round, if it was a three-round fight, I'm going to have to just really come at him, you know what I mean? But now I'm going to have time to really figure things out. And if I'm down on scorecards, I'm going to have three more rounds to uh, – Pick up some, uh, pick up some rounds.
0: Now, I uh, I co-host this podcast with a, a man by the name of Bazooka Joe Valtellini. Do you know who that is? No, I don't. So he's he's the voice of Glory Kickboxing, and he has a video on YouTube called "How to Beat Stephen Wonderboy Thompson." And I was wondering if you oh, yeah, I have seen that video.
2: Yeah, I, I know he is. Okay, like I don't, I don't know names. I just know faces. But when you said that video, I like. I know who you're talking about that dude, beast.
0: <laughs> so did you did you get a chance to watch that video? Did, did it give you any sort of insight into how to beat a karate stance fighter?
2: It did. I watched it. I watched it. It it, it was interesting to see. Uh, I just feel like it, it might be a little different just because you know what I mean. The the smaller gloves, like you know, what I mean, he was able to shell up a lot with his uh with the with the bigger gloves. But uh, Warner boy has does a great job of slipping his punches through uh, people's defenses. So I mean, I did watch it and I did take a lot from it. And uh and and I I agree with uh, the things he was saying in that bit.
0: Uh, From what I understand, a person that's sharing the card with you, Anthony Pettis, watched that video on the way to the arena before he fought Wonderboy Thompson. I don't know if you've picked his brain
2: on that at all. You said, do you think Pettis picked his brain on that? No, if if you've been able to talk to Anthony Pettis about any sort of strategy going into this fight. No, I, I really haven't, you know what I mean? And I respect Anthony Pettis, but Regardless of what he watching that video, it wasn't working. <laughs> because before he, uh, before he knocked Warner Boy out, Warner Boy was really taking it to him. You know what I mean? So, uh, I, I didn't take no advice from him. Like, you know what I mean? his, his little shot was, uh, one of those, uh, just one of those slash knockouts that that can happen in Oops.
0: Lost you for a second. I
2: lost you for a second. Yeah, yeah Somebody yeah. like, why? Uh, but, uh, where was that? Yeah, I I just not I didn't take nothing from it. You know what I mean? it's that's a tough fight because it was a flash knockout happening to anybody. Uh, Warner Boy was winning that fight uh decisively up until that.
0: Yeah, it was the Showtime punch and today's actually the ten year anniversary of the Showtime kick. So it's uh yeah, it's right. all coming full circle with Anthony being on the card.
2: Hey, you know, right? Yeah, he he's a he's a beast. He always he always comes up with something like, you know, like that showtime kick, like I thought it was the best thing in the world, you know what I mean? And then he comes up with a Showtime punch.
0: <laughs> the craziest thing about the Showtime kick is that Ben Henderson survived it. He got up. Like it, that wasn't yeah. the fight ending blow.
2: Right. That, that's crazy.
0: Yeah, Ben Henderson's got a, a, as good a chin as they have in, in MMA. Uh, so with, with Wonderboy, you look at his stance. You look at the, the creativity involved in, in his game. Do you like that? Do you like having that kind of a puzzle to solve? Because a lot of the time, you go going to fight it with Mike Perry. You kind of know what you're getting into. With Wonderboy, you're going to see a lot of things you haven't seen before, at least in competition.
2: Yeah. Um i i I like that in the gym. Like, you know what I mean? I love uh when I go with training partners that always that challenge me, they give me different looks, you know what I mean? Uh so it, it's gonna be interesting to see that in a uh real time environment and like a real fight, like, you know what I mean? Somebody that's constantly adjusting, that's constantly moving, that's like, you know what I mean, he's not just throwing punches to throw punches. Like he's he throwing them with a tent and he's planning everything he's doing out. So uh it, it's it's gonna be interesting to, and it it's a real test for me, you know what I mean, to see if I can uh if I can ad- if I can adapt to him as well, you know what I mean, to see how uh, how good my fight fight IQ really is.
0: No, I just realized I asked if you were going to talk to Anthony Pettis about strategy, and I realized he's fighting your teammate on this card. So that probably wouldn't have been a great look. Nah, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just put two and two together there. Alex Morono, your teammate, taking on Anthony Pettis—that should be a great one. Alex looks fantastic in his last fight.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's going to be a great one, and I'm, I'm super happy for him, man. Like he, he's been uh, he's been in the sport longer than me. He has way more fights than me. You know what I mean? And, uh, he always puts on good fights but he really hasn't gotten that recognition yet you know what i mean people really don't know who he is but now he's fighting one of the bigger names in the sport and the, and the dude's ranks you know what i mean so i i i'm happy for him and he deserves it for all the work he's put in for the sport he he deserves something like that
0: well if you're uh, if you're sparring in the gym and you're you're getting in five rounds I think that morono is probably a good guy with because that guy never seems to get tired
2: he never yeah he, he's a, he's a good training partner for the fight he he doesn't get tired really nobody at our gym Gets tired that uh, that Ospar with, so it's all good.
0: I know that that uh, Ryan Span was supposed to be on this card as well against Misha Surkinov. Uh Misha had to pull out Drew due to an injury. It seems like Ryan was really affected either by that or something else that's going on. Is Ryan doing okay?
2: Yeah, Ryan's doing fine. Uh, uh, not, I'm not really too sure about what's going on in his uh, personal life. You know, what I mean, I wouldn't even tell you if I didn't know. But uh, he, uh, he he he'll be fine. You know, what I mean, he's a fighter. He's a man, so he'll get through it.
0: I know you went back to working in your server job this year. You you had uh, walked away at some point to become a full time fighter. What made you decide to go back to that? And, and are you still doing it?
2: Uh, what made me decide to go back to that uh, was I just um, I had nothing to do. Uh, I was just like it was like so much like fighting wasn't happening, and then COVID was happening. And then like just I, I needed something to fill that time. You know, I was getting frustrated and it was like waiting that long without a fight. You know what I mean? Like I'm not getting paid the most the most money. You know what I mean? Like, I'm only five fights deep in the UFC with not a lot of people behind me. So, it's like, you know what I mean? I can't sit there and just think I'm going to sit on that money and wait, like, a year and a half before I fight again. So, it's like, I need to work. It's just, you know what I mean? Just so I'm not spending all my money on bills and stuff just because I'm sitting at the home sitting at home training and stuff. So, I decided to work, and, you know, and I like working to keep me out of trouble, you know? And uh, I, I, ju- I just recently stopped working, uh, like, uh like a little over a month ago.
0: And are you planning on going back to it after this fight?
2: We'll see. I guess I guess the bonus <laughs> I, plays I, I,
0: a part in, in that, that decision.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, after the fight, I probably won't go back to work for about like a month. You know what I mean? I'm going to take some time for myself. Uh, I plan on going on vacation. I want to go to Hawaii. So uh, I'll probably do that. And then uh, come back, chill for a little bit, and get back to work.
0: We see uh, Hamza Shemaev this year getting a lot of uh, fanfare for the way that he's been winning fights in, in such a uh, dominant fashion. You've been winning your fights in very impressive fashion as well since coming to the UFC. Are you surprised you haven't gotten that sort of a push uh, as of yet? I guess this probably is that push, but that the the, the the buzz around you wasn't quite what it is with him, given the competition that you beat versus the competition that he beat.
2: I, I just don't, I don't get it. I, don't, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for him. You know what I mean? Like, I don't... I can't hate on the man, you know what I mean. He he he's doing what I wanted to do, you know what I mean. Getting a whole bunch of hype and getting uh, high level names. Like, props to him. I, I don't understand why I didn't get haven't gotten any hype. Uh, maybe just, I don't know. It's it's this such a, it's such a weird sport and like what what fans just like gravitate to and cling on to is just, like you never know who 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 uh who's train they're gonna jump on, you know? And they they jumped on his train and uh it took me it, it's taken me a while to get my shot, but like you know, what I mean, now this is my shot. You know, it's pure. It has nothing to do with talking shit. It has nothing to do with being loud and obnoxious. It has everything to do with fighting, and that's 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 the way. That's the route I wanted to go.
0: And uh, you have a very rare opportunity because there's four weeks off after this card this weekend. So the lasting impression in people's minds could be Jeff Neal being a total beast.
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's it's a perfect storm. You know what I mean? I just got to see it through.
0: So uh, with this being the main event. Um, should you get a win here? How, how far away do you believe you are from a a title shot? I I think that a win over Steven Thompson, this is one of those guys where if you look at like a Darren Till, for example, he beats Thompson, gets a title shot. Do you feel like you're in the same spot?
2: Yeah. Uh, I, I think, uh, I don't think I'm, I mean, it, it really all depends, but the way I think it's going to go, like, you know what I mean? I, I win the fight and then I get one more big fight after that. You know what I mean? Another main event against somebody, you know what I mean? Something that's hyped up, you know what I mean? Like, what, that—that's what—that's the way I see it's going to go. One more fight, then the belt, or if something might happen. I might do something super crazy, like throw like a spinning tornado, backflip kick. You know what I mean? and Knock him out, and then, then I'm hyped up, and then I get go fight for the title. Like you, you just never know. But right now, I see if I beat him, I got one more fight, and then a fight for the title.
0: Is that a kick that you've been drilling a lot in the gym in the lead up to this fight?
2: Yeah, every day, <laughs> <laughs> every day.
0: Going back to Khamzat Shamayev, this will be my final question. Does the fight with Edwards intrigue you? We just haven't seen a situation like this, where a guy comes into the UFC, has one welterweight fight, gets all of his hype, I know he's got two middleweight fights as well, but gets all of this hype behind him, and that was suddenly facing a top three guy. Like, there's a good chance that this guy gets completely blown out in this fight, but if he ends up winning the fight, this is going to be unlike anything that we've really seen in the UFC from some time.
2: Yeah, for sure. I, it, it didn't intrigue me, you know what I mean? Like, do I feel like he deserved it. Like, if we're talking fighting, no. But if we're talking business, all right, I see it. You know what I mean? Like everybody's behind him. Why not make a fight like that happen? You know, uh, and people, people like not even, not only fans, but like people that train with him that know him. like they've been saying really good things about him and how good he is. So I don't, I don't even know he's fighting the number three dude. Like he, it might not have been far off of his skill level, you know, like he, he might, he might've lost, but he might, it might've been a good fight. You know what I mean? Like just establishing that he is a ranked fighter, but, uh. I, you just don't know. I, you don't, he didn't show enough in his fights to a to point where you can really say how good he is, you know?
0: Well, looking forward to seeing you compete this uh, weekend. You know, for to MMA, it's been a bit of a turbulent year, uh, especially compared to 2019. A lot of ups and downs for the gym. But, of course, you're in great hands with Coach Safe. He's one of the best coaches in MMA. And uh, we wish you the best of luck on Saturday.
2: Hey, thank you, man. I really appreciate you, brother.
0: Two big events for the New England cartel. First this weekend, you've got Rob Font taking on Marlon Moraes. No tune-up fights for Rob Font coming off an injury. And you've got Calvin Cater taking on Max Holloway, two former champions uh, in the crosshairs of the New England cartel. Uh, thanks for joining me, Rob. I really appreciate it. And like I said, no easy ones, no layups coming back from injury.
3: Nah, man, I wouldn't have it any other way. You know, it's uh, it gets me right back into that mix. I'm looking, for, I'm looking for titles. You know, we're trying to bring titles back to Boston. So, uh... This is right where we need to be. Marmarais is a tough fight, but who uh, isn't a tough fight in the 30, UFC, especially in the 35 division?
0: So you got a, a full knee, knee replacement this year? Is that what the uh, the injury was?
3: Yeah, so I ruptured my, uh, my ACL in a second round of the Ricky Simone fight and then a slight tear on my uh, on my, nip, <coughs> sorry, my meniscus. But, uh, yeah, it's all good. You know, we, we got the surgery in January. Ended up being in Vegas right after that for three weeks at the P.I. Um, we rehabbed there, and then we got back to Boston, did another uh, couple months in the Boston Sports Facility in Wellesley, Mass, and then once I got to the point where it was just strength and conditioning, I got back with my strength and conditioning coach and got right back to work.
0: That must be one of those frustrating injuries where you, you feel kind of helpless, there's not much you can really do in terms of yeah. training.
3: Yeah, no, I mean, it got to the point where all I could do was obviously watch fights, study fights, and um shadow box a little bit, kind of hopping around. but. Once I once I got to the point where I can kind of just ride the bike and shot a box a little more, I was good. But it took a couple it took a couple to get there.
0: After uh, Calvin's win, you joined the interview with me, and you looked like you were I guess as uh, he called it COVID weight. How how high did you get up to? What was what was the max the max that Rob Font got up to in weight during the, the rehab period?
3: Uh, I got to like sixty five, bro. I got out there, man. I got up there. Uh, I was I was eating a lot of ice cream, man, and uh, yeah, I was enjoying myself, enjoying my time off, I guess you could say. Sixty five
0: doesn't even seem that high. Sixty five I think there are some bantam weights that probably cut down from like the one sixty, one fifty five level to get to thirty-five.
3: Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's like uh I, I don't know, man. I got this like I get a fat neck when I get to like sixty three, sixty-five, and then once I obviously get down, I can stay around fifty three, all the weight comes off, but it looks like it looks a lot worse than what it is, you know.
0: So what are you at this point in the week? You're in the in the mid forties sort of thing?
3: Right now I'm like forty seven, forty five. Like in that area, bouncing back and forth from like 45 to 47.
0: And on a Wednesday, that's probably about where you want to be?
3: Yeah, so I'll probably, um, I'll push a little more today and tomorrow. Um, I'm sorry, today, and then uh, we'll get it down. So I'll probably try to shut out a little more today, try to get in there like around 44 if I can. And then uh, we'll start the weight cut. Probably no more than 45, 44. They're the best 43, but looking like 44.
0: So heading into that fight with Ricky Simone, were there any lingering injuries? To your knee, where you were kind of not working at a hundred percent before that.
3: I, 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 The doctor, I mean, the, the surgeon thinks he, there was something there, you know, because um, um, I'm sorry, Heather, Heather, uh, Heather Linden actually thought there was something there too. She it had to be a, a a minor tear or something like that. Um, I, because uh, if if you obviously if you look, he he, I get taken down. Uh, he kind of triangles my legs, and his hips go down. My leg. My foot pops up, and I just felt something go. And then, uh, you know, I get up. It was, like, maybe a minute, not even, like, 40, not even, like, 30 seconds of the second round left. We get through that, and then we had the whole uh, third round. Uh, but it wasn't, like, I knew something was wrong, but I didn't think it was, like, ruptured. Like, I didn't even think I was going to the surgery. I just thought something happened. Like, I tweaked my knee somehow. Uh, to find, I come to find out it was fully gone. And uh, But it was it buckled maybe one or two times. And after that, um, that was it. It's funny, actually, Paul Felder actually called it. He was like, yeah, I hope, hope nothing wrong with his knee. And he, he called it. It was sure enough, man. I, I'm not sure my whole ACL is gone. But, uh, man, yeah, you know, we got through that fight, um, got the surgery, and then got right back to work. I am pretty much made rehab my new sport, my new martial arts, and just put my head down, got to work, and um, got the job done.
0: So when you got the knee replacement and you started training again, does, does it feel like you've basically felt better than ever like did it feel like you had a new knee and that uh you feel like a new person almost
3: yeah it, it got to the point where um you know they were basically saying listen you're strong it's good the surgeon agrees with it uh uh Lyndon and, and the whole pi staff agreed like hey, you're ready to go you just got to go out there and and not think about it and then the first maybe first maybe like legit role or uh, in wrestling session, I felt great. I kept pushing. Um, got my first sparring round in. After that, well, we started off just boxing sparring at first, like, just to kind of like stay off it. So we just did a lot of we did like maybe four weeks of just sparring, um, boxing, and then we turned it into more of a wrestling, kickboxing setup. Set and you know, the first couple leg checks and a couple kicks felt great. Never thought about it again.
0: Were you offered any other fights uh, earlier this year where you just weren't ready to go at that point in time?
3: No, nah, I just, we, uh, we were just rehabbing, rehabbing. Once we got the okay from the surgeon and, and the, uh, and the PI, uh, we were just waiting to see what we can get. Um, I didn't, I didn't think it would be Martin Marias. Um, then he obviously lost to Corey, uh, Corey Sandhagen, So I was like, all right, that could be an option, but I still didn't think it was going to go down. I figured I'd get like a, a guy closer to my ranking. And then, you know, we got Martin Marias. Like, so, hell yeah, let's do this. Um, you know, I, I don't turn on any fights. And, um, you know, especially off of, like, most people are saying, oh, maybe you should take it easy, take a two-note fight. And I'm like, bro, there's no two-note fights in the UFC, so it doesn't matter. And he say they're all going to be tough fights. And, um, yeah.
0: Now, the bantamweight division yeah, is one of those ones where you can take anybody that's ranked, and they could beat yeah. anybody on any given night. I mean, it's exactly. that's a shark tank right now.
3: Exactly. So it's kind of like, you know, obviously you have guys saying, hey, man, maybe you should have took an easier fight. I'm like, all right, well, name one. Like, Give me an easy fight. <laughs> name one. Like, oh, well, exactly. I'm like, God, they're all tough. These guys are all tough. Everybody's, you know, like savages. So why not get the, the highest number I can get?
0: The weird thing about this fight is because Marlon has lost two in a row, I think people forget how good this guy is. I mean, to me, Marlon was the best guy in the division for some time. He just didn't get that title shot. And then when he did, you saw what he did to Cejudo in the first, and then I guess he just ran out of gas or had an adrenaline dump or something. Uh, yep. And then, of course, that lost to Sanhagen. I think Sanhagen's is one of the top three, top four guys in the division as well, right? So yep. I just hope that if you beat this guy, that you're going to get the kind of credit that you deserve uh, for a yep. win over Marlon Rice off of this kind of an injury.
3: Yeah, yeah. I um, mean, you know, it is what it is. You know how it is. You know the media and, and the the fans are gonna, you know they 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 have opinions and that's cool, but I know it's a tough fight. I'm expecting Mom Moriah to kind of like come in there and just be a complete savage and that's the guy I wanna beat and um you know, uh yeah man, I'm excited, this is a big fight for me, so it's a big fight for me. The cartel, New England, Boston. We're gonna we're gonna go out there and try to try to put this guy away.
0: Do you go back and watch his fights where he's had a ton of success because of how scary he's looked? Do you kind of want to I know there are some fighters that like to feel scared going into a fight. They like to have the image of the best version of their opponent in mind. Are you one of those guys?
3: Um I, I want to say I, I go back and try to like watch all of his stuff. I definitely go back and watch. I watched a couple of his fights, but I don't I don't do too much. I let, I let that, you know, Tyson handle that. Um but in my mind, I'm I'm, I'm expecting him to kind of like Fixed all of his holes, you know. I know when I when I lost, and I can't always came back better. So I'm expecting that uh, from Mar- uh, Mariah and um, yeah, you know, um, it. Regardless, like I said, like they're all scary fights, man. These guys are they're all everybody's tough. So um, you know, I'm focused on me, I'm focused on getting my hand raised, and I'm focused on finishing them.
0: What do you feel like you've learned in the in the last year uh, when it comes to rehabbing, when it comes to learning new skills? What, what what's the number one uh, takeaway for you so far coming into this fight?
3: Um. You know, I definitely broke down all my losses. I watched and rewatched them. I uh broke down on my wins. I uh you know, I watched a lot of uh Ollie's weird, oddly enough I watched a lot of Max Holloway. Kinda had a good feeling that we we would be fighting Max soon as or not me, but I mean Calvin would be fighting Max soon. Um just just you know, I think I just it slowed that game down a little bit more, like just kind of watching the fights as a fan, but also kinda of like trying to like break down um, you know, techniques and figure out how and when the momentum switched and, and changed in the fight and and stuff like that. So I think the, I could I see it a little different. Um, obviously, I had to do a lot of like visual learning as far as jiu-jitsu. So I, I, uh, I'm fortunate enough to kind of like get that, uh, you know, the BJJ fanatics, uh, Michael Zanga hooked me up with the coach. So I would sit there and just watch the little details on jiu-jitsu and little details on striking videos. And and then once I was able to move, I just kind of put all those details into my game and it and, and, uh, You know, they're paying off. So, um, you know, this. obviously, I just always feel like I'm slowly getting better. And, um, you know, and why not test my skills against somebody like this guy?
0: Has it been fun coming along for the ride with Calvin this year? It seems like Calvin coming off that loss with Zabit actually raised the stock. Because I think a lot of people felt he was going to win that fight if that fight would have been any longer. And since then, he's been on a tear. Is it fun being part of that ride?
3: Hell yeah. You know, so again, like doing that, I get to see. So I never did a main event, so I got I got to do two main events with Calvin Kader. Right? We got to I kind of have an, a, an idea of what fight um sorry fight Island and fighting during the pandemic is you know so I've been there I've done that with him uh, I'm learning a lot while, while as he grows I'm seeing you know, the, the media push he's getting uh, you know the, the again like I said just the, the just the, the main event walk is just totally different that I never experienced and I got to experience it with him. I'm um, fighting in the in a uh, arena with no with Noah uh, fans. I got to experience that with him. And um yeah, and I definitely learned a lot, got a couple of tricks um that you know he he he's passing on to me and uh, yeah, it's been a huge huge uh huge year for Calvin Cater and, and uh, I'm excited for him.
0: TV Holloway He's right there. I mean, he's right there in the title picture. I know Ortega's likely getting the next shot, but uh I think, you, know, you never um, know what's going to happen in that division. Yeah,
3: man, I think again, I don't I think a lot of people thought that Max Holloway, Holloway won that fight versus uh Bonanoski, so um, you know, he beats him. He's technically the uncrowned champ.
0: Yeah, I think the majority of people felt Holloway won that. I'm in the minority. I thought Vulcan obviously won three out of the four, the five rounds, but that that's just me. I think when I asked Calvin about it, he thought that Holloway won that fight.
3: Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, so I think a lot of people thought that, obviously, that that dude, that dude's tough, man. They're all tough, but, you know, um, I don't believe, I really believe not too many people hit as hard and as accurate as um, Calvin Cater.
0: Now, what about your division? It seems like a queue is starting to build up at bantamweight, and you've got Chido Vera against Aldo on this card, uh, I know Morais has a win over Aldo, so I think maybe a win over Morais ends up getting you a little bit higher up than Chido Vera, but where do you stand in this division right now when you look at it? You, you look at the Hagens coming up, you've got Aljo taking on Jan, uh, there are a lot of great fighters in this division.
3: Yeah, man, um, You know, honestly I think that the, you know, this is a great division. We have some big fights coming up. You got Aldo versus Cheeto. You know Corey, Corey Sanhuega is on fire right now. He's killing everybody. Um, you do, I'm not. So what's going on with uh, the champ? Like, is it is he injured? Is it like a uh, is it like a, a visa issue? I'm hearing a whole bunch of stuff. I think it's, I think it's a visa issue with
0: paired with something of a personal issue. But I think the visa is yeah. the number one issue.
3: Yeah. So um, you know, obviously that sucks. Um, I love him. He's, he's he's on a tear right now too. Um, so yeah, you know, I mean. It's the vision's on fire, man. Uh, you know, a big win over him. You know, it's it sets me up for a, a lot of opportunities. You know, you have T.J. Dillashaw coming back. You have obviously uh, Corey Sandigan out there. Um, Chido Vera, Jose Aldo's fighting on this car, so you never know how that shakes out. Um, you know, and you never know, man. Like if they need somebody to fill in for, for the title fight, and or even any, I don't know, like, like an interim belt, something like things can happen. So, you um, know, obviously my goal is to win this fight. Finish this fight and then um regardless of who I get next is gonna be a big fight.
0: What did you think of how Sean O'Malley reacted to that loss to Cheeto Vera? Uh you look at Cheeto on this card, uh Sean I I don't know when he's coming back, but uh that left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths.
3: Yeah, I mean, it sucks, man, when you lose like that with with the injury, you know, because it's like what if, what have what have could have happened, you know? We we didn't we couldn't have find out, uh we didn't find out but I don't know, man. He gotta figure out what's going on with his, what is, what is, what his leg, man. That's that's the second time that kind of happened, right? Like, um, you know, that kid's another thing. He he he's on fire too. He he was doing his thing before that. Um, you know that that uh, Eddie Wineland knockout was beautiful. Um, you know he's got that buzz. He's 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 got the push. He's um he's funny as hell. You know he's doing his thing. So uh you know it sucks that like, you know he lost the way he lost, but you know you can't also you can't take it away from Cheeto. You know he did what he had to do and he and he, and he finished the fight.
0: Now, I don't know if this would ever be possible, but could you ever make flyweight? I know flyweight right now is a, a division. No? <laughs> Cut me off right there. No.
3: Hell no, man. Hell no. Um, no, oh, man. I don't think I could do it, man. I mean, I guess if I really, really tried, but I don't, I don't think I don't see it happening, man. The division's um, kind of wide
0: open. I mean, uh, after that rematch, who knows what's next? I mean, I know garbage thinking of making That was, a, that
3: that was a fun fight, man. That was a fun fight. Uh, the division's going on crazy right now. Um yeah, I don't know, man. I don't think I can make that weight, though.
0: I just see your beard, and it reminds me of Figueredo. I don't know why that question popped into my head.
3: <laughs> hey, man, I do a I'll take that compliment. That guy's a savage, man.
0: Yeah, that, that guy uh, breathes out of the rocks. He looked so big in the cage. You know, they said that he had food poisoning, and that he was in the hospital till 2 a.m. the night before. He looked like he weighed, like, 15 pounds more than Moreno. He looked huge. When you have food poisoning, yeah. all the stuff's coming out of your system. I, I can't believe how big that guy was on fight night, if, given that circumstance.
3: Yeah, man. Hey, man, more proud to him, man. Like, I, got, I, got, I, got to say, I got to hit him up and figure out how he makes that weight. But uh, <laughs> even hearing I'm like, oh, man, that like, just scares me. Like, that's, a, that's a big cut, man.
0: All right, Rob. Well, we really appreciate your time. Uh, best of luck coming back from this injury against a, a very, very tough opponent in Marlon Rice. I will give you the credit you deserve if you get a win here. I don't think people should be writing off Marlon Rice. He's a hell of a fighter.
3: He's tough, man. He's a beast. Uh, but so am I. You know, I'm planning on going out there and finishing this guy.
0: turbulent year for every single sports organization in the world. Dana, 2020, like I mentioned, very turbulent for different sports promotions. If people were to look back at the UFC in 2020, what do you think it will be most remembered for?
4: God, that's a tough one. For us personally, I mean it was it, it, it's the best year we've ever had. <laughs> Crazy to say that, but uh, it, you know, we broke just about every record we have except for the live gate record obviously. And uh, but it was it was a very challenging uh, year for us, you know, to to pull all this stuff off. It was was without a doubt the hardest year of my career. It was a never back down attitude. So when you
0: guys went forward doing COVID testing and and really putting in the medical protocol, I'm just curious how many COVID tests have been done to this date so far.
4: Oh, God, I I actually have that number here. Um, Hold on, I'll tell you in a second. But we've spent. We've spent uh, $17 million on COVID testing this year. And we did, think about this. So 1,470 UFC athletes, cornermen and staff were transported. 1,700 commercial flights, 34 charter flights. Uh, We had, you know, everybody keeps talking about, you know, how difficult it is for some of these other sports because of the teams and all this stuff. We had 164 athletes. From forty different countries that competed this year. Um, so, and, and oh, and, and and by the way, they were talking about how great it was that the NBA players had an eight percent, eight point eight percent, you know, positivity rate. Ours was zero point eight
0: percent. Wow! So of all the tests, zero point eight percent positivity rate. So, um, what exactly was the number in terms of how many tests in general have been done? Do you have that number?
4: Yeah, I do have that number. Did I not just say it? I didn't, did I? Um, COVID tests to date, 26,300. Wow, it's an unbelievable number. <laughs> 26,000.
0: Uh, so in terms of this year, y- you talk about breaking records. With the ratings this year,
4: how do they hold up against previous years? Yeah, no, we, so during the pandemic, we were up 30% on ESPN. Then, then, then as soon as it starts to average out, we're up We're up 18, 20% this year.
0: And you've talked about social engagement. How much more has it been this year? Because you talked about Joaquin oh. Buckley's highlight real KO and all of that. I, I imagine it's probably because there are more people also sitting at home using social media. I imagine that the numbers are quite a bit higher.
4: Yeah, our social media uh, growth was, was massive this year. Um, uh, we surpassed 10 million followers on YouTube. Earning us uh, diamond uh, diamond diamond play status and uh, second only to the NBA among sports organizations worldwide. Um, our, our Instagram growth in the U.S. went up 38.17%. We're, we're number two only to the NBA again. Second most video views on Instagram compared to all other U.S. based sports. Number two to the NBA. And the Joaquin Buckley thing. Was massive broke all kinds of records now these questions
0: you don't necessarily need to answer I don't know if uh, you're allowed to disclose this information but in terms of revenue this year what was revenue like and what is the current valuation of the UFC the market valuation
4: well we we, we, uh, again we we broke the record we broke every record we had except for live gate I mean consumer products um, was up 166 percent this year and the list just goes on and on. We, we killed it this year. It was an amazing year for us. So when you uh,
0: sold the UFC, or I guess Endeavor bought the UFC in 2016, it was four plus billion dollars. What do you think it's worth now? Has anybody brought that up with you? Any economists uh, within the promotion? Probably nine or ten. Wow, that's 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 impressive. And uh, you know, people had scoffed at the four billion dollar number, but it, it seems like. Uh, things just continue to move along in a a positive direction. You mentioned revenue up again, especially in a year like this when everybody's kind of up against it. I'm
4: sure a lot of sports team owners are probably up against it. People have been scoffing at me for 20 years. Keep scoffing. (laughs) You enjoy
0: the scoffing. Uh, I love the scoffing. (laughs)
4: 2021,
0: next year. What's the one fight you have to see in 2021? Dana White has to see just one. Ugh.
4: Listen, as as a fan, it's impossible for me not to love John Jones versus Israel Adesanya. Um, I don't know if that's going to happen. I know John is moving to heavyweight, and Adesanya is a light heavyweight, but we'll see what happens.
0: Also, the middleweight champion of the world, but I guess he is moving up to light heavyweight. That's at least what the rumors have been. Uh, Four pay-per-views this year, or sorry, four title fights this year for Davis and Figueroa. Back-to-back pay-per-views, headlining. 255-256. 255, 256. If he gets a win this weekend, is he the consensus fighter of the year in your opinion? I know he we missed weight for that first title fight, which caused some problems in terms of the flyweight division. But do you, do you consider him to be the fighter of the year if he wins this weekend?
4: Yeah, yeah. It'd, it'd be tough for him not to be. Yes.
0: Now the co-main event this weekend: Tony Ferguson versus Charles Oliveira. I love this fight. I told you before we started. This is the fight I'm the second I'm second most looking forward to this year, behind uh, Gaethje versus Habib. But with this fight, I know that there's one change you can make that I think a lot of people would like, I know I would like. It's not a commission thing, it's something that the UFC can do. Five-round co-main events for non-title fights on pay-per-views. Can we make that happen?
4: <laughs> I mean, we, we, we're sitting here, we're in the matchmaking room right now. I, I'd be lying if I, if I didn't say we've talked about it. You know, there's fights, listen, me, Sean Mick and, and Hunter are, are, are fight geeks too. We love it as much as the fans do. Um, it's, it's just tough. It's tough to, 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 to pull off a co main event with five rounds, but we have definitely talked about it.
0: But on pay per view events, if you've got two title fights, they're both five rounds, so it's not a timing
4: issue. Yeah, but the, the, the reality is, if you look at this, this card tonight, I mean, uh, our, our Saturday night, we got one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, five really good fights on the main card. You're, you're, you're making somebody lose a slot on either ESPN or, or, or on pay-per-view if you do two five-round uh, co-main and main events.
0: I want to move on to what a lot of people are saying is now the Habib versus Tony of the featherweight division. Zabit Magomed against Yair Rodriguez. You guys have to be frustrated with Yair Rodriguez. Recently got a six-month suspension for um, his whereabouts violations. What's going on with Yair Rodriguez? Because I know that there have been—it's been a rocky road between the promotion and Yair Rodriguez in terms of making this fight with Zabit happen.
4: Yeah, I wouldn't say there's been a rocky road between us. Uh, you know, the kid's been very flaky. You know, we, we've had we've had issues with him, and and now here we are. Um, you know, he gets his whereabouts. You know, I, I don't even know what to tell you.
0: Are you moving on from that fight? Zabit versus Ayer? There's no title implications, no title on the line or anything along those lines. You can let that ship sail. Yeah. It would be a great fight, but it seems like it keeps falling apart, and it's, yeah. it feel, it, and you know, and off it feel the bad watching my head, Zabit I don't on, the, know. on
4: the shelf. You probably know better than me how long his suspension is. I don't know how long Six his suspension months. is. Six months. I think it expires in March. Well, yeah, we, it would be a good idea to
0: move on. Do you have anything in mind for Zabit right now? I know he's been itching to fight.
4: No, not off the top of my
0: head. And... You explained why Yoel Romero was released this past weekend. What happened with Anthony Johnson? I think a lot of people were excited to see how he would do in a a division free of John Jones now, the light heavyweight division. Always an exciting fighter, you know, under the age of 40. Why allow uh, Anthony Johnson to to walk and go to the competition?
4: Yeah, well, obviously, you know, first of all, I have a good relationship with Anthony Johnson. I like him very much. Um, He was under contract with us. I would have loved to have seen him compete here. I don't know. Use your imagination. Well, fill me in here. What happened? I mean, something must have
0: happened if you have a good relationship with him and you have a great relationship him with him. I love the kid. So then what was the impetus for letting him go? I mean, I, apparently it was a mutually agreed upon situation.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Because it was probably in his best interest.
0: Why was it in his best interest? Is, is it a financial thing? Ask him. All right, I'll try to line that up. That's
4: uh, his business. If he wants to talk about it, it's his business. You talked about, again, this, week,
0: this past weekend, about uh, cutting the roster down a little bit, whittling it down, uh, looking at about 60 cuts. Um, when you look at, at that and the idea that a lot of these decent-named fighters, fighters with a good name, are going to go to uh, competing promotions, have you stopped worrying about competing promotions? Are you worrying just about the UFC now and, and just moving this train along because the competition have never really caught up?
4: When, when was I worried about other people? Ever. That's understandable. When was I ever worried about anybody else? <laughs> but do you follow Is the other promotions? Is something
0: new? Do you watch Bellator? Do you watch... Who should I be worried about right now? I, I'm not saying should you shouldn't be worried, but I'm just... Years ago? Do you watch any of these other promotions? Do you watch Bellator? You no, know I don't. So when someone like Michael Chandler becomes a free agent, how does he end up in the UFC?
4: Because the matchmakers tell me he's good. They like him or they don't like him.
0: So you rely on them to, because they watch. I mean, they have to watch all the cards. They're they're scouting all these fighters.
4: Yeah, they, they watch tons of fights from all over the world. It's not about one or two promotions, really. If you if you look at Bellator, th- there's not much to be interested in. There's 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 much better promotions all over the world that are actually dealing in up and coming talent. There's lots of great shows to watch all over the world. All you guys talk about are two. Um, when there are plenty. Of other places where actually, if you look at the business that I'm in, it's like everybody keeps asking me about these fights that are going on, whether it's the YouTube kids or these other kids and all this other stuff. There's a market for that. People want to see that, that. People are going to make money. There's a market for that. And it's the same thing with Bellator and those places. That's not what I do. I'm looking for the the up and coming Best fighters in the world, and I'm looking for people that I believe could possibly someday be world champions. Those are the people we're looking for. So, if a fighter you think is past their prime, is, is there a good chance that they're not going to be on the roster next year? Has that ne- not been the case in the past? Is this all something new? This is what we've been doing for 20 years.
0: To start next year, January 16th, 20th, and 23rd are the reported dates for the first three events of the year. Uh, nothing's been reported yet, but is Fight Island the goal? Is the goal to have it there? Yeah. And I know you've talked about having a, a crowd, having beach parties. Is there any movement on that? Like, what, what, what kind of uh, paperwork needs to be done in order to make that happen?
4: Yeah, we're, we're, still, we're still looking at that stuff. You know, in a perfect world, if this, if I can pull this thing off, you know, we, we go to Fight Island again. And it's like an international fight week. We're doing all kinds of cool things that week for people to fly in, hang out, party, watch fights. Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday.
0: Feels so like a bubble of normalcy. <laughs> You'll get to escape from uh, what's going on right now.
4: Yeah. No. Yeah. Exactly. Well, when you go to Fight Island, it's an escape from here anyway. I mean, it's it's a whole nother level out there all the restaurants that are open and and available to us and um it's actually it's actually a really cool experience so would the goal be to build a bubble that would involve the fans so that everybody's kind of bubbled together no it 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 wouldn't be to build a bubble with the fans what we would do is we would try to figure out a way where uh we could test everybody that was going to come to the event so they could stay outside of the parameters of of the arena but they yeah abu dhabi abu dhabi is open Abu Dhabi tests everybody who lives there. Everybody who is in that in that country is tested. It's insanity. You know, nothing's been announced
0: for the main event on the 20th, but if I guess it, will you tell me that I'm right? On the 20th? Yeah. My guess is that you're going to have Hamza Shemaya versus Leon Edwards on the 20th. It would make a lot of sense. Good guess. So uh, that's what's in the works for that particular main event? Yes. See, Dana, you say that what we know about the business is what you tell us about the business. I, I just know it. I knew, I, knew, I knew that that was going to be the main event.
4: I had no prior insight. It was just, just, just gut. That's not knowing about the business. That's guessing what, where we moved that fight after he tested positive for COVID.
0: That's fair enough. And I've got another guess for you. On the pay-per-view card, you got McGregor and uh, Poirier headlining it. Gaethje versus Michael Chandler. I know Gaethje said this week he wants to get a win before he fights for the title again. Is that also something that you're looking at? Could be. That's a can't-miss fight. I mean, I think that if you put those two in the case together, it's a formula for 100% success. Is that fair? Maybe 99% if there's some sort of freak injury?
4: Yeah. Yeah. Listen, if if we're going to be out on Fight Island and you got a massive fight, you know, with McGregor, you have to have a backup.
0: Last weekend, we saw on fight day three different fights fall off the card. Is there anything that's being done to tighten the bubble or to try to make sure that this kind of thing doesn't happen? I know next weekend you've got 16, 17 fights on the card. Um, you guys are locked and loaded for that one. But what, what, what kind of protocols are being uh, made to try to avoid that kind of thing from happening?
4: Yeah, well, I just told you earlier, we, we have the lowest, lowest out of all of sports. When I say lowest, it's not even in, in the same universe. So... Our system is, is, is pretty dialed in, but you know you're, you're dealing with a virus here. So these things are going to happen.
0: You look at this Floyd Mayweather versus Jake Paul, or uh, Logan Paul fight um, right now. Do you think that this is how boxing is going to go? Like, do you think that boxing <coughs> going to have? They're going to be more fans of this form of boxing than actual boxing. Like, if if you put on these weird fights, will that do better than say an Errol Spence versus uh, Bud Crawford fight? Is that the way that that sport's going in your opinion? Scary. And sad, but probably true, yeah. And why do you think that's the case? Like, Why why do you think there's more of an appetite for that than real... You're a boxing purist. You love boxing. Why is that the case?
4: The the thing has just been in such a a spiral nose dive for so long. Um, And what they haven't done is they haven't got any of that younger generation, any of that younger crowd... Um, but, you know, it'd be crazy to, to, to say that these type of fights haven't been popular anyway. I mean, we, we were just talking the other day about the uh, Tanya Harding fight when she fought and these celebrity fights that they were doing. I think people are always going to be interested in that type of stuff.
0: I guess you call them freak show fights. But uh, there was a rumor out of Quebec that you were looking at finally launching Zufa Boxing with Claressa Shields headlining event, Clarissa has since signed with the PFL. Were you guys in negotiations with uh, Clarissa Shields? And is Zufa boxing kind of on hold again for now?
4: It's it's, uh, never, never did I say that I was doing anything. But I've been looking and kicking the tires of boxing, you know, for, for the last couple of years. And the reason you've never seen me do anything is because that's how screwed up and broken it is. That's what a mess it is um yeah i'm 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 not doing anything anytime soon is it just kind of too late to get into
0: boxing because of all these weird governing bodies and all the wbc wba belts and all these different promotions having their hand in the cookie jar is it kind of just too late to, to be able to do it successfully in your opinion
4: maybe yeah yeah maybe it, it, it might be i i i it's going to require so much time, money, and the whole thing needs to be rebuilt and restructured. Um, There's always going to be fights that will pop up that will make money, you know? But, you know, when when you're in a situation where, you know, a, a fight like this Mayweather fight does more buys than Fury versus Wilder or, you know, um... Some of these legitimate big fights, it's, it's pretty scary. A big thank you going out to all of our guests,
0: not just on this show, but in all of 2020. This is going to be the last interview edition of the show for the year. Thank you for tuning in to this uh, show. And uh, thank you, of course, to this week's guests, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, Jeff Neal, Rob Font, and UFC President Dana White for their time this week. And uh, I guess last week, if you're uh, UFC President Dana White. But I do want to say that uh, I appreciate everybody who has listened to this show. I know that we've split the sh- shows in two, myself and Joe being one show, Interview Edition being the other show. So hopefully you've enjoyed everything. I also would like to encourage you to listen to our 2020 roundtable. Myself, Mark Raimondi of ESPN, Mike Bond of MMA Junkie, Brian Campbell of CBS, and Sean Al-Shadi of The Athletic having a bit of a discussion about uh, the year that transpired and the look ahead to next year. Hopefully you get a chance to listen to that. It's a really good listen, and I would encourage you to do so. And I would also encourage you to leave a review on iTunes. You know, this show is uh, free every week. I'm not looking for any handouts or uh, any Patreon money or anything along those lines, not to slag anybody who is. I know that we are all under different pay structures and whatnot in this world, and uh, some people do rely on crowdfunding, so I'm certainly not trying to put down crowdfunding. However, I will say that for this free podcast, I would uh, like for you to leave a review on iTunes if you can, or on Stitcher or any platform where you get this show. Leave us a five-star review, leave your comments, and uh, you will forever be cherished by those who put this show together. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you in 2021.